some, sports in Nebraska is more like a religion. And for those devout followers, there's Church of the Corn with Zach Santi, Alex Drake, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com in the Zone app. Church of the Corn starts now. Here are Zach, Alex, and Fitz. Welcome, everybody, to the Church of the Corn on 1620, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's get after it, boys. We got everybody in studio today. Conrad, Drake, and a new guy. His name is Fitz. He hasn't been with us in quite some time, so we got the boys back. Weren't we all in studio, like, last week? No. That was, like, two or three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we did a podcast last Sunday, less than a week ago. Yeah. Well, we weren't in the same. And Conrad wasn't here. Yeah, Conrad wasn't here, so shut up. Anyway, let's... Uh, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, let's let's get into it. Uh, I think there's a big story going on with... Uh, this is at Ohio State. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigma, out again. Uh, he hasn't had a good year with injuries. I mean, he's going to be gone after this year anyway. He's going pro. But... They haven't had him all year long with just hamstring, and it seems like a, an assortment of injuries. Big thing to to watch out for against Penn State. I mean, still a top 20 team, but I don't know if you can keep losing him every week. You got Harrison over there, but I don't know. I just think it's a big deal that he's he's out again. So you Conspiracy have- theory here. Is there any part of you that thinks maybe he's quietly just trying to sit out and not get hurt before the draft. Uh, I mean, he could be slow playing everything to make sure he's a hundred percent. I, it wouldn't be the craziest idea. I mean, at this point, they haven't needed him. So no, you've got like I said, you got Harrison Jr. there, who is an absolute stud, who might be better. I I think okay. is better, but Does one so one good year last year, right? And mm-hmm. a few like complete just off-the-charts games, but is that enough to propel him to first top half first round? That's a, I guess I look at it as I, my, when, when, when Zach started talking, that's kind of where my mind went to is the fact is he may be just kind of doing this low-key, uh, I'm going to rest and I'm going to be out, things like that. You've got arguably the top quarterback in the nation, probably the one, number one draft pick, playing quarterback for you yeah I other than you know the soft tissue stuff like that I you know going out and playing if if he's not doing that because he thinks he's going to get hurt then what does that show anyway in terms of physicality and playing and stuff like that I don't know it's a great question yeah and that that's I, I like your counterpoint that's not really where I'm going with it um and I I haven't seen this yet in football. I don't know that we'll ever get here in football. But there's the rules in football around the draft make it really hard to do this. But you see it a lot in college basketball and now they're they're changing the draft rule for college bas- for basketball in general again. But you look at guys, you know, um the best example here locally is Justin Patton after his first year at Creighton. Was he ready for the NBA at that exact time? No. But was there ever going to be a better time for him to declare the draft when his stock was high and the 
in reality, the only thing that could really happen to a guy in that position coming back is to lose their draft stock because so much about your draft is not what necessarily what you've done on your on your level of you know the field or the court or whatever. It's about your potential. And Smith and Jigba last year showed unbelievable potential. And I and again, I'm not saying that this is what it is. I don't know if we ever get here in football, but there is something to be said about trying to keep your draft stock as high as possible for as long as possible. And sometimes that means playing less games. That's a lot of the reason why you see guys who aren't ready for the NBA leave when they do because their potential and their stock is so high and it can only go backwards. Yeah, uh, it, it makes sense because I get. I mean, you could be talking about 15 passes and 347 yards in the Rose Bowl, and that was the last memory everyone really had of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, he's he's played in three games and he's got five passes for 43 yards. It, honestly, I at this point, I feel like it hurts him more than it helps him sitting out. Yeah, um, it's a huge red flag at this point if you miss an entire year due to essentially injuries for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. You're you're a huge red flag. Now, if he gets if he gets healthy and he gets right and he comes back in and he plays the last you know four games and goes in their playoff run and things like that, it's a completely different conversation. Or he doesn't play, but he ends up coming back next year, and now you know I think that probably would serve him better than going into the draft hurt as it as it looks right now, and then being able to probably increase his stock. Next year. Now, you question they're going to reload a quarterback anyway, but does how does he how does anyone perform if Stroud's not if Stroud's not there next year? So, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting elements that go into that to that decision and to kind of where where he lands. Um, you know, a guy can run routes, a guy can catch the ball. We know that. I've always kind of thought though with with basketball that Drake was talking about that it's a little harder. I think younger in, in some of those positions to go in and be that effective and dynamic in the draft versus basketball, just kinds of you know just the way that it, that it's played and, and and everything and those individual skills, you just don't get the ball in your hands automatically unless yep. you're the quarterback. So. And I I also think too, and here's here's a huge difference between basketball and every other sport. Like in basketball, you have the quote unquote lottery, mm-hmm. one through thirteen or whatever. Um, there was an interesting stat out a couple of years ago that even if you land in the lottery, there's like, I want to say it was a 25% chance of having a 10 year plus career or earning quote unquote, what should have been a lottery pick throughout your career. So it's just really interesting. The difference between those two sports. Um, I, I kind of want to move over to something else that happened last night. Did either of you guys catch any of the world series game last night? I did catch a little bit of it. Poker? World hmm. Series of Poker? You know I'm angry this morning. You don't want to keep going down that road. Oh, I'd love to see this. No C4. I have to drink White Monster this morning. All right. Anyways, uh, one heck of a comeback last night from the Phillies. They were down 5 nothing, Uh, Up 6-5. Lo- Omaha native Alec Bohm goes 1-5 for five last night, but... That one hit was huge in helping spark their comeback, a two-run double. Um, who do you guys like the rest of the way? So I'm obviously an Eagles guy. 
I, I'm I'm gonna go with the Phillies anyway. They've they've just been so hot mm-hmm. in October. Um it's hard to go against them. And I think the entire country is on the Philadelphia bandwagon right now, just over the Astro. I mean Yeah, I mean it's the Astros. Fitz, I'll, I'll let you weigh in. It's been the most hated team the last two or three years. It's uh, interesting, too, because you – and they weren't doing themselves any favors, but even last night when the guy leans into the pitch in the bottom of the 10th trying to get that, that walk or that hit hit by pitch, you know, things like that, You know, it, that's gamesmanship. you got to compete and you got to try, but mm-hmm. it just kind of goes toward – it continues on that narrative of, you know, they're just doing it the wrong way. Um we're going to have to do a podcast about quote-unquote baseball cheating because I, I I can go on about that for a couple hours, but go on. Okay, so I like where you're going with that. So we'll, we usually record around 6 on Sunday. You start <laughs> that at 5. Bingo. And you run that podcast. We'll be there at 6, Zach. <laughs> yeah, just like normal at yeah. 7. Um, <laughs> I, I I think Houston takes a series. Their, their starting pitching is just too good. Uh, lineup through one, one through nine is really good, but obviously you have a couple of guys in Philly that, that can just get hot and carry a team. Um, you have a couple of guys that have won world series elsewhere. You have arguably one of the greatest phenoms in baseball in, in recent memory in Bryce Harper. Oh, I thought you were talking George Brett. Sorry. Yeah. So I think uh, Harper's finally hit the, the peak of everything kind of coming together for him with team and his his, his career and everything yeah. finally really happening yeah and kind of letting him he he got injured earlier in the year and not letting him worry about playing defense and just let him go swing the bat which is really why you brought him into the league let bryce harper be bryce harper just let him do yeah. his thing Ab- absolutely hey this doesn't normally happen in philly but philly has let him do that they have kind of just let him go do his thing, and he's been great. Uh, I I'm happy to see it. See Bryce having the success he's having there now. Um, obviously, very happy for Alec Bohm, and I'm I'm interested to watch the rest of the series. I, my money's still on Philly, uh, but I'm not Philly. Sorry, Houston. It's on the Astros, but we'll see what happens going forward. How about a quick little pivot? So uh, right before we get to our first break here uh, this week, the Husker women's volleyball team took one on the took one on the chin uh, against Wisconsin uh, 3 but so now we've got a tie across the top of the Big Ten with Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. Are you concerned about this, or do they? They're young. We've talked about this mm-hmm. before. They're young, but they've got a guy in in Cook that can probably go to the film, figure out what they're doing, and get better when they need to get better. Uh, were you surprised uh, at the? I'm, that game I'm, I'm always surprised when we, when we lose 0-3 um, just because how many times has it happened over the last 20-plus years that John Cook has been the coach, right? Well, just think about this. They, since October 9th, they hadn't lost a set. Like, yeah. They hadn't lost a set since October 9th. And then, you know, and they it was it was interesting. Second second set, they come they run off 10 in a row, Wisconsin and run off 7. And it got, I mean, it was just, it was it was intense again. It was fun. But it's it's kind of one of those things where Wisconsin felt like they were putting everything they had into that game in terms of the sellout and, and all of that stuff with the fans. And it just, you know, not that it means more, but it's kind of like, okay, it's... Okay, it's, SEC. It's a one, <laughs> yeah, it's a one, one game. It's not everything, but let's kind of see, see where we're at. 
So this is something that we don't really talk about in women's sports, but I feel like whenever anybody plays Nebraska volleyball because they have been on the mountaintop for so long, it's their version of the Super Bowl every time. And I'm glad that that if this was going to happen this season, it happened now instead of in a couple weeks and a little bit farther down the road. Wisconsin's the the team that scares me the most looking into the tournament too. Um we we saw what happened last year when we were actually pretty experienced. So again, I'm just I'm glad it, we got it out of the way. Um Cook's going to go back and review film. The girls I I think it's pro- you never like losing and you never like getting swept at volleyball. But it is probably a good thing for them mentally. Now, now the monkey's off their back, so to speak, because they, like you said, they have haven't lost a set in a long time, and they're just rolling, rolling, rolling. Now they get a little bit of adversity that they haven't seen since very early in the season. Exactly right. Well said. Yeah. Nope. Uh, you guys pretty much nailed it. So let's take a break now. So we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, break down Illinois, Nebraska. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Doug Bosse State Farm Insurance here on 1620 The Zone. Let's talk about the game today. 2.30 p.m., Nebraska, Illinois. There's I a game? Say, yeah, there, there's a couple. Um, there's one locally here. There's always a game within a game. I hate you so much. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Boo. God, this, this is going off the track real early. Uh, I'll get us back on there. Number 17, Illinois, coming to Lincoln with Burt Bielema leading them. Two years into a rebuild at a basketball school. You got to stop calling him Burt. He really has a brother named Burt. I don't care. He looks like Burt from Sesame Street. Actually, I saw on Twitter today, he looks like a melting ice cream cone. Well, I thought he looked like Homer Simpson when Homer put on a lot of weight and started wearing a dress around or a shawl and... It looked like that. If you haven't seen it, just Google it. You'll be able to find it. But yeah, it's, it's he's not a great looking fellow, but he can he can coach football. After the uh, Arkansas debacle, went to the NFL to hide and got uh, got a lifeline from Illinois. And here we are. So I guess rebuilds don't take five years, like we were told. And also, let's not forget that we thought that uh, Bielema was going to lose half his team last year after he. Drug him through the mud. So, yeah, I guess this is where we're at. What uh, can Nebraska slow Chase Brown down? Be simple. Yeah. How many how many guys can they put on defense? Is it has it changed since the last few games? More importantly, how many inside linebackers do we have healthy? Yeah. So, I think you're going to have to. I think there's a chance. Um, he he leads the nation or second in the nation chase brown is second in the nation in uh forced missed tackles and we understand that tackling at nebraska has been an issue for uh quite a few years um they're they're done they're they're pa- through the age of, of tapping out tapping off now and they're just and they've been working on the tackle coach joseph I- identified that but i don't know i think i think it's going to have to be one of those games where there's enough push 
from can we get enough push from the defensive line to disrupt the original play design and then can our linebackers find ball see ball tackle ball right can they can they do just those basic things cuz i think this could be an opportunity for the defense to take a big big step forward make a stand on the field and if that if that happens which i think it's possible it's a completely different game. Zach, do you think there's any shot that Chase Brown runs for less than 153 yards? No. He's he might go for two. Um Does that mean they win the game? It means they control a lot of the clock. Um the way that he he's not a Height, weight, speed guy where he's a freak athlete, but he constantly turns three-yard runs into six-yard runs. You do that twice, you've got a first down. So he gets behind his pads, and, and he runs essentially like a back his size should. He's a 200-pound running back. He's constantly churning his legs and getting extra yards, and at a certain point, that's why he's breaking a lot of the long runs he is. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I think... And we talked about this last Sunday, right, when we jumped into this just a little bit. I think this game specifically is a better matchup for Nebraska than Purdue. Because Purdue has the quick pass game. Our our pass rush isn't elite enough to slow that down. But if we're so focused on the pass, they're, they're going to you know run the ball really well. That We saw that against Purdue. Illinois is really only built to be able to run the ball. And, you know, they also have nine fumbles lost this year, which is towards the top in the country. So can we can we stack the box and slow it down enough to keep them off schedule in key moments and force them to convert a third and eight, a third and ten? Um I don't I don't know if we can do it a lot today, but we might be able to do it just enough to have a chance at the end. The one thing that scares me is our offense is not built right now to to sustain a drive. And we saw it against Purdue when the defense was out there for 45 minutes. Uh, they can come up with key stops and key moments, but they can't do it for three quarters of the game. And what I mean by that is three quarters of the of the possession. They can't be on the field for 45 minutes and then on fourth and three, when you need to stop the most, a very unathletic quarterback is going to, you know, scramble out and get that. So for me, the one of the bigger keys is can the offense just balance out that time of possession? Because I think if they can, it, it gives us a much better shot than if we are just trying to do um, F it Palmer's down there somewhere and, you know, one, two, three play drives for touchdowns which obviously we love to see, but the defense is going to be out there a lot today, and we're we're battling a lot of injuries. Henrich is out for the year. We're not 100% sure what we're going to get out of Reimer. Um, that inside linebacker position scares me a lot. So, again, I think the matchup is a little bit better for Nebraska than Illinois because we, we can stack the box. Illinois just wants to do one thing. So Zach, you kind of you had talked about it a little bit, and you've got it you've got it down here for us. But not every not every six and one team is the same, or is built the same, and their schedule is not built the same. Which right now, Wisconsin's strength of schedule is negative point one 
1.27. What do you make of their start so far? They're 6-1 and one coming into Lincoln. Are they a legit 6-1, and one, Zach? Yeah, that's what the record says. They are a legit 6-1. and one. This team, you know what I like to go go back to when I talk about Illinois? Muffed punt against Iowa. Iowa recovers. Iowa has to punt again. Down uh, I was going to go into it. Oh, I had their sorry. schedule pulled up, but go, no, go ahead. No. I'll, I'll go after you. I, I was just going to say, they're all like turnover machines, and it's funny because now we're bringing up Iowa too. My bad. Uh, muff punt. Iowa recovers. Has to punt again. Down inside the 10. Illinois fumbles it. Iowa recovers inside the 5. Iowa's forced to kick a field goal there. Um, I just... I'm a little hesitant to say, yes, it's legit. Well, I have to say it's legit because that's what the record is. Um, the teams, they've beaten Wyoming, Virginia, Chattanooga, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Nebraska has struggled to beat Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. At this point, regardless of what we think of those teams, they've done something Nebraska's not. So... Their record is legitimate. It's it, it's not the best teams, but they are beating the teams that are on the record or on the schedule. Excuse me. The loss to Indiana is always just a confusing one because it's 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 it was at Indiana early in the season. It was game number two. You can excuse that one away if you there want to. There was some to. mismanagement at the end of the game too. Yeah, the a lot of staff. turnovers. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Um, so they're five and zero at home, but they're one and one on the road. So. Take that for what it is. They haven't played in an atmosphere like they're going to see in Lincoln. I mean, they were at Wisconsin, but 11 a.m. at Wisconsin this year was is not what it normally is. It's not a night game there. So their offense is, is, is what it is. It's not particularly impressive. It just they do what Bielema's always done. Uh, he runs the ball, and that offense is a very tough personality. Um, the defense is where they make their bones. Um, they've got somewhere between five and seven N- potential NFL players on that defense, and and they're showing out this year. So it's it's a legitimate record. It's going to be a very tough game for the Huskers today. Yeah, they have a couple of potential first rounders on that defense too. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, but yeah, looking at the schedule after, after you just went through it, it's eerily similar to seven and zero Mike Riley at Nebraska. Um, I, I just don't know what you're going to get out of our defense. We know what the offense is at this point. Um, but you also don't know what you're getting from Illinois in, in a tough road environment, because I don't think Indiana is really a tough place to play. Uh, Wisconsin can be, but Wisconsin's way down that. I believe that's the game that cost Paul Chris his job. Is it not? Yes, I, I believe it was. That was October first, so I believe that was. Yeah. I believe that was. So, so we know that defense travels, right? And that's where you had said it. That's kind of the bread and butter this year. It's it's his personality too. You know, I think there's an an opportunity that obviously they haven't seen the likes of a Trey Palmer. If if we can, if Grant can find just a little sliver of daylight, and then making something. They haven't seen that yet. Um, I know what they did to Braylon Allen. Not a, not the best game, but there was so much going on there. There's still some 
you know, it's still not a cohesive locker room up in Wisconsin, things like that. But I just, I just wonder if there's a way that you, we talk about slowing down Chase Brown. I'm wondering if there's a way to slow that defense down for them as well, because they, they fly to the ball. They like to hit. They're going to take, I mean, a couple games ago, two, three years ago, it's probably the hardest hitting team that the Huskers had played almost to the point where you're like, especially in today's college football questioning, like, is, was that legal? Was that targeting? (laughs) Is that a personal foul? I mean, but that's the way that those safeties ran at him. That's the way that they were covering the ground. I just think what we're seeing now, some crossing routes, it's going to have to keep those guys a little bit more honest than what they've probably seen from the Huskers over the last couple of years. Deep threats, Real quick before we go to break, uh, score predictions. I got twenty eight, twenty four, Nebraska. I like it. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say twenty four, seventeen, Nebraska. Uh, thirty five, Nebraska. High scoring game. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here. When we return, we are gonna break down some X Factor players for the day. You're listening to Church of the Corn on sixteen twenty The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and FCC Trucking. Let's go ahead and give the people some X-Factor players today that they should, uh, I guess, need to have a big game for the Huskers to win this. Let's go ahead. All right. um, Taking a play out of uh, Drake Degrassi's playbook here. Before Degrassi. Oh, my bad. Um, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I'm not saying it's going to be Aaron Graham and his running mates, you know, pushing pushing Illinois all over the field. What I'm saying is I think they're going to have a better game than anyone anticipates because at the end of the day, they have to have a better game than anyone anticipates. But and it's obviously getting a little bit of push in the run game. Can you open up just a little bit of space for uh, Grant, for Ramirez, for Yant, whomever else is is toting the ball back there? But I, I think getting them, giving Thompson just a little bit more time, right, creating a better pocket. Because when Thompson stays home and then has the ability to step up, that's when we've seen the magic happen. And it's and we're not just talking about the 59-yard bombs to, to Palmer. It's the little crossing routes, but they're on time. They're not behind, things like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this one that I think we're going to be – we're going to be pleasantly surprised um, if they're not talked about as much over on the broadcast, and that's that's a great place to start. So I'm going to go with the offensive line. Uh, I'm going to go with Jockey Ant. I think we're going to see more Jockey Ant packages today, or, or we're going to have to. Um, just a bigger back that can go soften up that defensive line early, and, and hopefully later on that creates room for a guy like Anthony Grant. Uh, I think – I think you're going to have to use Jock maybe as a lead blocker once in a while for Anthony Grant. Um, and we were kind of talking about this off air. Can we get can we get a package with more than one running back on the field and use Jock Ant's size to, to create some space and soften some people up? Uh, I'm going to go with one of the big guys right up front, uh, Ty Robinson. 
got to have some something to get that um, offense behind the sticks. If that defensive line can make some impact impactful plays on first and second down to get them into a third and medium, third and long, it's where that offense is very uncomfortable. It would be great to see it. Um, he's a guy we've seen flash under Bush. It seems like he's been cut loose a little bit. Not para- paralysis by analysis, just letting the guys play at this point. I, w- I was just going to say, have, have you been impressed with his with his demeanor and in, in play as much as I have since uh, Shenander was let go? Yeah, he's really, it seems like we've seen two different players where one, it was, there was, there's so much going on that he was literally frozen for a second during play. This one just seems like it's a, a, a cannonball. I think I've been most impressed with his ability to disrupt the plays on the stretch runs. Something that we hadn't seen from that D tackle position over the last four years. He's he's done a lot on the stretch run in terms of turning it back to somebody coming in and filling the backside hole. Yeah, and and, I, and originally when he came out of high school, that's what you were looking for out of him—a mm-hmm. big guy that can be disruptive in the backfield. I don't think bulking him up to three hundred thirty pounds is the best idea in the world, because as you know. And as we've seen with, not to bring this up, but the Aiden O'Connell, it's hard to stop 330 pounds on a dime. Yeah, no matter how unathletic that quarterback is. Yeah, it's hard to stop when you're running full speed one way to stop and then make that play. So um, I think he's a little bit too big. If we could slim him down to about 315, maybe 305, I think he'd be golden. But Ty Robinson's my guy. Fitz? Yeah. Um, My my second is uh, Ernest Hausman. Um, I think, you know, you have Mickey Joseph uh, saying at one of the pressers, a soundbite, that he's really tried to get Houseman to practice with the mindset that he is the starter. And whether he is um, or whether he's doing a lot more rotating in because of Henrik's being out plus the, uh, un- uh, the health uncertainty. concern. Yeah, uncertainty. Thank you. Uh, Words are hard. Yeah, you know, sometimes they are of uh, rhymers, but... I just think that if he just kind of goes out and plays, he can diagnose the play. We know he's a smart, smart football player. He's a film guy. He's going to understand um, what Illinois is going to be bringing. And I think if he can just find that confidence to know, okay, if I get there, I'm going to be just fine. If I am patient and can read it, I'm going to be just fine. So I think we're going to see see kind of him step up a little bit, take another step forward, um, maybe cement his place uh, as as the start of the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I like that one. Uh, I'm going to go in the same vicinity, but I'm I'm going to go with uh, Chris Kalarvik. He's been rotating between the nickel and the linebacker spot. I think losing Henrich kind of puts him there permanently, at least against teams that we have left with Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, and today Illinois, just r- super run-heavy teams. I think that today is the day where you get to see the Chris Kalarvik we expected when he arrived on campus. Um, you know, he had a great career at, uh, I believe it was Northern Iowa. And, yep, Northern Iowa. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to have to step up in that linebacker spot, or even if he stays at nickel, he's going to have to be great at filling in on the run. Um He's he's had a decent year so far this year, and I know it's really hard when you're playing two different positions to really excel. Um, I think today's the day that he has to come up with some some big hits, um, key tackles, or or blow some plays up for somebody else to make a tackle. And I I think 
his leadership, his experience, he makes him the perfect guy to do so. And and I want to kind of break down you guys' picks. Uh, with Houseman, I think the only problem with Houseman is he's so green because he is technically a freshman with very little play time last year and, and this year leading up to it. It's, it's great to see him get some experience, but we're going to see those bumps and bruises out of a guy that, that's in a complex system. I think simplifying it helps him, but still first snaps. He doesn't look like he trusts his eyes yet. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot, that you, you get a lot of those practice reps where you can start trusting what you're seeing and what you're being taught. So let me ask you this, because uh, I think this plays a factor in Kalarvik too today. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, a game plan standpoint, how how do you simplify it even more for them? Um, I said it on Sunday. I, th- I think you just go with some straight run blitzes early on. You could, because uh, I think your defensive line is experienced enough at this point or has played enough college football that you can do some different things with them, including your edge packages. When you get to that middle linebacker spot, that's when you've got exper- inexperience between Kalarvik, uh, Malga Clemens, Hausman, and whoever else you kind of want to plug in there. You could do something like that. And it does seem like Bush has completely simplified the system. It, they seem like they've trashed a lot of the check with me's and a lot of the different different things that they had going on pre-snap which is great yep that might be the simplest thing to do is just go with simple run blitzes hey we're going a mic blitz in the a gap or we're going a you know however you want to des- describe that or whatever the play is called might be the only option there or you just go with simple zones where you've got your your linebackers your at least your middle linebackers dropping back or maybe taking as you know however you want to do that but they're covered. They're, those are your most covered guys on the field because you've got the safeties behind them, which I think Buford's an underrated guy that is is coming back healthy this week too. Yes, I'm totally. surprised none of them have us. None of us have them on the list. But um, I think I think that was a big loss uh, uh, in Purdue mm-hmm. when Buford went down. Um, nothing against Phelan Sanford; he's a very athletic guy. But once again, very green. Hasn't seen a ton of snaps. Also, I mean, from the safety position. Buford seems like the only guy that that really wants to come in and hit hard. Yeah, and and I think that's he likes the contact. This is it, a game for him. And his body size is the is the problem there because yeah. I believe he's five eleven, about two hundred pounds. Um, I know we got to get to break, but that's a weird noise. Uh, after after the Indiana game, I kind of thought about this, and I went back and watched that game this week because uh, there was a couple series where this kind of happened. Do you foresee at some point for the rest of the year, just because of the depth in the linebacker room, that maybe a guy like Jamari Butler moves back into the linebacker position? He did a couple of times against Illinois, not necessarily dropping back into linebacker, but dropping back into coverage, uh, which I think he's far better at than Garrett Nelson. I never want to see Garrett Nelson in coverage. I'm sorry. I just want Garrett Nelson doing what Garrett Nelson does. Yeah, I think Jamari can play a little bit more of a split role where he's dropping in coverage or he's blitzing he can do a little bit more of the all all-purpose role yeah. just he's a little bit more of a fluid athlete he's he's more of what that edge rusher was last year in the three four exactly and he's he can do a little bit of everything blitz drop play the run kind of whatever you want that's he's, he's a basketball player he's athletic exactly he's got the body type for it but let's take a quick break here when we return we'll get into the rest of our players uh that'll be x factors for the game today it's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. And I would do anything for love. I'd run right 
Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone and Design and FCC Trucking. Let's get to the rest of the X Factor players today. Uh, Drake, did you just go or? Yeah, yeah, you're on number two. All right, I'll go with, I'm going to go with Brian Buscini, the punter. I think I bring him up every week or just about. Um, what he's done for that special teams is it speaks for itself. If he's healthy um, and his ankle's good, he's probably one of the best punters in the nation, I think. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, like, I don't I don't want to, you know, kind of poo-poo or, or sound like a downer, but he's had a few, I don't want to say rough games, but consistency hasn't totally been a strong point. He's He's had a couple of really, really bad punts, sometimes two in a row. And I know he's been battling injury. The guy looks like a warrior. He can barely walk off the field sometimes. Um, but to top it all off, he has solidified that that punt game. Um, even his bad punts, they're going where they need to go or they are significantly better than what we've seen the last three years. So um, it's just tough because when you see some of some of his great punts, and then he has like a 34 yarder. You you are livid, but I have to take myself back and remember where we're coming from here. We always think about the bye week, especially like a player like Casey Thompson, where to get him healthier, right? To get him back. But somebody like Bashini as well, letting him be off that ankle for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's not necessarily, he doesn't have to have timing with anybody else. He doesn't have to, if he could just get healthy because his his ability to pinpoint where he wants that ball to go has been spot on. He's still doing that a little bit um, while he was banged up, but his and he talked about this with us early in the preseason. His hang time is a big, big part of why our coverage units are are doing so much better. And so I just think if 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 the game goes the way Illinois wants it to, and Nebraska decides to join him in the fight in the mud. And it's, they're going to have to rely on Bushini flipping the field. Uh, I, I like I like our chances there. And if we can if we can flip what we were doing last year, two years ago, where the other teams are constantly starting on you know our thirty or their thirty, and we're starting on our own fifteen or something like that, those fifteen twenty different yards, those hidden yards right there, I think that's a big thing, and he can he can do that for us. So I like I like that call from Zach. Yeah, and you know he can also put some weird spin on the ball and maybe create a muff punt. Um, similar to what Iowa did to him earlier in the year. Uh, Fitz, who you got for number three? Uh, my number three is Tommy Hill. Um, converted defensive back to wide receiver. Uh, but I this is kind of a, a twofold here um, that special teams as well. We've seen him a lot more in the run game, and he's been pretty dynamic. He's had a couple opportunities to uh, show some flashes. Um, I think we might have the opportunity that if he can – he can find a crease. Uh, he could he could make some really good things happen. But I also think, um, even though he's you know further down the line on the depth chart for wide receiver, he's had the the bye week again uh, to learn the playbook a little bit. But there's there's got to be a reason that Mickey Joseph made this decision anyway and said, hey, come over to my room, let's let's do this. And if he can be somebody that steps up and um, you know steps in, Oliver Martin, Washington, Palmer, you know. And then maybe Tommy Hill can come in and, and make something happen. Then, then it's just I, I look at that as a bonus. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think we all realized how short they are on depth over there in terms of injuries um, on the on the lower end of the wide receiver depth chart. 
Uh, we all know about the injury issues with a guy like uh, Omar Manning. I didn't realize all these young guys like Bonner and um, Hardy were, were battling injuries as well, at, at least as seriously as they are. So, um, I, But I love Tommy. I thought Tommy Hill was going to break a couple of kick returns against Purdue for, for six. Um, I'm also going to go with the special teams room for number three. Uh, Purdue kind of showed this out a little. Well, he showed up against Purdue. I think this is a good day for, for Bleak Road to to have some key kicks. Illinois struggles in the red zone, and they're going to spend a lot of time in the red zone today. They, they're great between the 20s like Nebraska has been the last four years. Uh, but their defense is so good, I think we're going to be forced to kick field goals. And for the first time in a long time, I feel I feel confident in being able to make those field goals. So I think today could very easily be a big Bleak Road day. I'll say being in the stadium when Bleak Road's out there kicking, you do feel a lot more confident that it's going to go through, regardless of where it is on the field than we've yeah. seen pre- previously. Um, I mean, not- he missed two out of his first three, so we're all a little iffy. And one of them's, you know, 50 yards to tie the game. But Yeah, so that's why I take it. I mean, he's he's missed some, but you feel a lot more confident with him out there than, yeah. than anything else. Um, I, I'm going to finish up with uh, Anthony Grant. I think he's got to be a big-time player today, and that doesn't mean he's got to have 150 yards and, and five touchdowns. No, he's got to be involved he, involved in the game, exactly, whether that be faking the ball, screen passing the ball. It, it, you got to get a guy like him involved in the game. You've seen what he can do when he's got the ball in his hand. you got to figure out how to get the ball into his hand and be productive. We've done it with Trey. Let's figure out how to do it with Anthony. So we've talked about this before with Anthony Grant. I One of the things that is most underrated about him is his pass blocking. Can How how confident are you that we're going to be able to slow down the pass rush enough for him to get his chip block in and then kind of be the check down outlet that he was against Rutgers? Take this for what it is. Casey Thompson was quoted as as either being a part of or saying that the running backs are now in the what or the line back or the lineman room as well going through pass protection and stuff Blitz like pickups. that. Exactly. So take that for what it is. I, I like things like that happening because I don't know how much of it was going on previously. I won't say bit good, bad, mm-hmm. and different, just because we don't know. Yeah. Um I, I think that does nothing but but helps those guys. Well I, I also heard too um radio or somewhere that Whipple has to scheme up some things for the offensive line. So you're starting to see now that it's like, hey, let's just, like we've said let's that. put the brain trust together though. But if if he is if if Whipple is connected to what he wants them to do and how they're doing it, tied into the play calling stuff like that, maybe we see a little bit better productivity from, you know, our our three yard plays and our five yard plays instead of just relying on the fifty nine yard plays to uh Palmer. Yeah, one hundred percent. Can can Anthony Grant get a handoff and not have first contact three yards deep? Can can we at least get him back to the line of scrimmage? Nope. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here, and when we return, we'll get into our coach's conclave. You can pick a lot, a little, or somewhere in the middle. So shouldn't there be an internet plan that's just as clever? One that allows you to add TV or home automation whenever. That's why Cox now offers flexible internet plans, giving you all the services you desire at nothing you don't require. Additional services can be added at then current regular rates. All services subject to residential customer service agreement and acceptable use policy found at cox.com slash policies. Restrictions apply. 
This is Doug Nodgard with Equitable Bank. Great service never goes out of style. When the digital age dawned, many said computers would be able to handle many of the interactions that used to take a person. Boy, were they wrong. How many times have you called your bank and gotten a recording to press one or two? Not at Equitable. Not only does Equitable answer your call in the first ring, it's answered by a human being. That's because Equitable Bank values its customers. Equitable Bank, we take banking personally, member FDIC. When you think Caddyshack, you think about an unforgettable dining experience. Stop in for Meatloaf Monday for just $10.95. Tuesdays are all about the happy with dollar drinks during all-day happy hour. Celebrate a Wing Wednesday with After Hours. Thursday is Spaghetti Night for $10.95 a plate. Or grab some lunch on Fridays with the $12.95 hot beef sandwich. Caddyshack, two great locations off of 117th and Blondo and 180th and Harrison. The official watering hole of After Hours on 1620 The Zone. Hey everyone, Jimmy Allen here from After Hours. Have you always wanted to hear your business represented here on 1620 The Zone? We've got an amazing opportunity for you. Get at us at After Hours Sports LLC at gmail.com. Have Drake, Fitz, and Zach represent your brand every Saturday morning with the Church of the Corn. That's right. Your commercials, your company can be represented right here every Saturday morning from 8 to 10. Email us at AfterHourSportsLLC at gmail.com and let us represent your brand today. Have a great Saturday morning and go Big Red. After spending another summer on your deck dealing with the harsh sunshine, hot temperatures, and all-around unpleasantness, maybe it's time to start thinking about upgrading your deck to something a little finer with Forsman's Finest Decks. Forsman's Finest Decks is pretty great at building covered decks or patios to give you more shade for cookouts, hangouts, or even enjoying a game on TV. Start by booking your new deck for the spring of 2023. Family-owned, Forsman's Finest Decks are the finest decks you can find. Find Forsman's Finest at Forsman'sFinest.com. Is that old football injury still bothering you? Stop living with it and call Multicare Medical in Papillion. Multicare Medical is a full-service pain management clinic offering state-of-the-art treatments for headaches, neck and back, shoulder and knee pain. They want to help you prevent surgery and reduce the need for pain medication with a variety of services including cell therapy, trigger point therapy, chiropractic, physical therapy, and more. Call Multicare Medical at 402-505-7989 to schedule a complimentary consultation. Shop Woodhouse Place Hyundai and Nissan, 144th and Giles, KOZN Bellevue Omaha Council Bluffs. What do you call that thing where they pick the new pope? Are you talking about a conclave? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today for this week's edition of Coach's Conclave. Coach's Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Coaches Conclave. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Rocky Stone Design and Summit Medical Staffing. We have our Coaches Conclave. Who wants to start us off today, boys? Go for it, Fitz. I nominate Zach. Perfect. I am going (laughs) with former Longhorn coach and former Houston coach Tom Herman. For the head coach at Nebraska. You know, I didn't realize how successful he actually was at Texas. I thought he had a little bit more. Um, I thought he had more losses than he did, to be completely honest with you. And I also thought his entire coaching tenure had more losses on it. But entirety at Houston and Texas, he was 54 and 22. Um, at Houston, he was 24, 22 and 4. Um, thirteen and one, and then nine and three, 
And at Texas, he was actually 32 and 12 or 32 and 18. So he had him at number nine in the country at one point. I believe that's when they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So everybody thought Texas was back. And then they went on to two more. I wouldn't call them mediocre seasons, but eight and five and then seven and three in the pandemic season. So, I mean, he did a lot of good things at um, at yeah, Houston. Yeah, but he brought on some Nebraska OC flunkies. Ah, well, <laughs> he he did, but uh, they were a lot more productive under him than they were at Nebraska. Was he? I think they had Tim Beck, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Tim Beck was pretty productive underneath him. Who His, didn't like Joe Burrow? Was Tom was Tom Herman a product of the Ohio State coaching factory to where sometimes it's the shine is 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 better than what's you know underneath of it, and you just kind of wonder if being out on his own. I mean, and he's not the only one. It happens with a ton of coaches. We see it all the time. I'm just kind of curious if you know going from Ohio State right into Texas for that head coaching position. He what went if, to Houston first. Oh, that's right. That's he, right. Because he was 22 and four at Houston. That's right. So oh, he, that's right. Yes, yes. My apologies. So that makes it makes that jump a little bit more reasonable. Um, and then you know, the but step to Texas from Houston. But then you kind of you look at it too, and this is what I think is interesting with everything that we're talking about, and everyone else is talking about with this coaching hire again. Is you know, twenty-two and four at Houston. What does that look like in the Big Twelve over a tenure? What does that look like in SEC, Big Ten, stuff like that? So I, I think it's always interesting. We've 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 talked about it at nauseum. You know, every every season, every win isn't can't be rated the same as everything else, which is, you know, kind of what we, we I was alluding to before with, you know, Burt's six and one record. It's not every six and one record's the same. So yeah. um that's it's it's interesting. I think Herman, you dig into it a little bit more, um, could be could be interesting. Yeah. And I think we should also preface this with we are now nearing the bottom of the barrel of We're our picks. We're grasping at straws. Um, well, I mean, we. Uh, uh, They're good one coaches. That, Herman good was coaches. one that we wanted for an OC, though. When yeah. um, I think it was Bo Lubick was, still was here. brought on. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm just trying to make the point that. These aren't necessarily guys that we're high on. I, I think we kind of we shot through that list quick. I think they're possibilities yeah. right now. Who do you have um, as a possibility? So. This is a name that I haven't heard anybody bring up. Um, Kevin Sumlin from Texas A&M, most recently Arizona, currently coaching in the USFL. Uh, his tenure at Texas A&M is eerily similar to Jimbo Fisher's right now in terms of win percentage, things like that. He struggled in conference play. He was 25 and 23 in conference, but 51 and 26 overall. And uh, prior to that, he was at Houston and went 35-17 and 24-8 in conference. A lot of offensive coaching experience, which, you know, take it for what it is. Uh, I know a lot of fans are really high on getting a defensive guy because we as a fan base do this thing where, hey, we just hired a defensive guy. It didn't work out, so let's go get an offensive guy in Mike Riley. That didn't work out. We're going to get another offensive guy in Scott Frost. That didn't work out, so we have to do defense. So I wanted to give a shout-out to Parker on Twitter who shot us over that uh, NCAA head coaches uh, spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout-out to Parker. Phenomenal um, spreadsheet that you sent us over, by Parker the way. Parker underscore Nebraska. There you go. Thank you very much. Um, just these two coaches that we brought up. So um, Herman actually has a track record of success. He was actually a plus 23 on the win growth. 
Sumlin was a negative 43 on the win growth percentage under Interesting. Sumlin. Yeah, so I just because just as we're going through them, I was trying to pull these up and have that on here. And, I should have read that a little bit more. Well, um, it's, it, it goes, it's, it's really interesting when you just go just into numbers on things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the one thing that I, I like about Sumlin is, A, the history down in Texas, being able to recruit there, that's going to be important for us moving forward. But he was also a linebacker at Purdue, so he does have Big Ten familiarity. Um, not a lot of coaching experience in the Big Ten. I mean, he was uh, a wide receiver coach at, at Purdue for, for a couple of years. Spent time at Oklahoma as well. His experience in his... I'm at the point where the guy that I'm picking at this point until we get to my top two later on in the season, I am kind of picking guys based off their Rolodex of assistance that they can bring in and not necessarily what they've done specifically. And at this point, uh, someone has a pretty pretty good Rolodex of coaches. Let's finish this up. I'm going to go with, uh, and my apologies to the the conclave if i this has already been mentioned seven weeks ago but chris Kleiman from from kansas state i think you've already picked him yourself (laughs) i don't think i did i we'd have to go back and check the tape but anyway as the season has gone on you know there's been some guys we've talked about you know i just think and i brought the point up that you know cincinnati stuff like that but a winner is a winner developing players is important i think if you look at guys that have left the North Dakota state program and have played in the NFL and been good players, serviceable players, role mm-hmm. play, whatever you want to say. But 69-6 and six at North Dakota State is impressive. You know, he, he, he found a way and he put players in a system that, that was going to work. Yeah, uh, His players have an edge about him. Uh, they tackle well. Uh, they rally to the ball. Um, he's done something that he's utilized – uh, transfer quarterback and with his staff in a way that Who? it's been productive, uh, Taylor Martinez. Oh, yeah. And it's just, you know, something like that. There's some stability. Is coming to Nebraska under the circumstances too big of a job? I don't know. But uh, it's interesting. What is quarterback transfer with him? <laughs> I, I think he's finally out of eligibility. Oh, uh, But, no, you're right. I, I think there is something to be said. There – there's a total difference between Luke Fickle having one great year at Cincinnati or Scott Frost having one great year at UCF as opposed to a decade or close to of dominance at a school. I think that's why we look past um, where they coached in both Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold at, at Kansas. Uh, Kleiman at K-State, Leipold at Kansas because they did it for a long time. I mean, What's Leipold have? Eleven titles from Wisconsin Whitewater. I believe he was thirty-three and one in the uh, NCAA tournament that they. Have. Yeah, uh, I, was he the school that they kicked out of the conference because they won so much? Wisconsin Whitewater, I yeah. think so. Promoted. Um, so yeah, I think there's there is definitely a difference between sustained success over a long period of time at a lower level than a a year or two of sheer dominance at at you know a, a group of five school but you brought up you brought up a good point and it's going to it's going to come through as we continue this conversation and and we'll we'll talk about kind of the direction of it as well but i think a big part of what we're going to have to start looking at and you mentioned that rolodex is okay yes a lot of these coaches could probably do a fine job 
but now it's it's more than that it's building of the staff it's it's potential for growth it's recruiting you know the the coaching growth chart that that Zach was mentioning from from Parker those are the types of things we're going to have to we're going to have to dig down a little bit deeper ourselves just to kind of see who who could these coaches bring in because that's for me that's kind of where my mind goes right now is yeah, this coach could be really good, but who does he have the potential to bring with him? Yeah, I and I think I think you can go all the way back to Frank Solich and say the number one factor in either lack of success or what led you to get fired is your staff and not necessarily you. Now, we we can talk about Scott Frost rumors all you want, but his biggest downfall was just bringing an entire staff with him that didn't have the experience. Uh, Frank Solich had a problem with his staff. He made the change, but it was too late, according to the athletic director. Um, Mike Riley brought all his friends. I think his biggest downfall was Bob Diaco, but he was forced to make that move. So I got a question for you because someone shot me a DM last night. It goes down in the DMs? It goes down in the DMs. Um, Do you guys think that if Mickey wins this game today, that it makes it all but certain that Mickey gets the job. And and the reason I say that, and I'm going to tie a little bit more onto that because it's a giant recruiting weekend. Mm-hmm. Let's say if, because Bo Hughley, from which we're going to talk to Munson about here shortly, you've got a lot of your Riolas. Actually, I think both Riolas are going to be on um, campus. You've got your Bo Hughley. You've got a lot of giant recruits. Let's say if things start happening with that recruiting cycle and you get this win today, does the interim tag get taken off sooner than we think, maybe, if it happens? If it does, I'll be disappointed. Doesn't it seem like a quick reaction or a snap reaction? Yes. Um, and, and here's why I'll be disappointed. We, we've talked about it. If Mickey gets the job, great, 100%. Because he's recruiting like he's already got the job, which he's being a true professional at what he's doing. Yes. And I think he's going to do that no matter what happens. Exactly. We've talked about it. Where's his greatest strength? It's recruiting, being a player's coach. I just, I I think if you don't go all the way through this coach's search and you don't go all the way through the season to evaluate all the potential candidates and anybody that's willing to talk to you, and just because we beat a ranked team for the first time since Michigan State a few years ago, you're doing yourself, the program, and even Mickey Joseph a disservice because there are going to be so many detractors out there that said, hey, we just did this based off of emotion and maybe the eye test. Uh, if Mickey gets the job, no matter what, there's going to be detractors just because of experience. But if you let this go all the way through the season and give us more of a sample and he wins the job, there there will be less because it will have been painfully obvious why we made that decision in my mind, that's the only way the decision's made is if he makes it painfully obvious that he's the right guy. Let the I, process play out. Where's he going to go? There's well, that's no rush. I, I agree. And if if you if if the information was accurate that he has a clause that essentially makes him stay, right? Now it's his choice too, but it makes him gives him that opportunity to stay no matter what. They're going to put they're going to put enough titles. Munson said it when this first started. That you know, you put enough titles on his, on his. You fill that door yeah, with, with whatever he, he wants yeah, to be called, and you can't even see the door anymore. Whatever it is, the man, recruiting coordinator, assistant to the assistant, whatever. Call him the president of the university. I don't care. 
I think if you have him in and you lock him in there, then you have the flexibility to wait. I also think there has to be some time for these other coaches, including Mickey, to provide who would you have on your staff. For me, you've got to come in. You've got to come in with a plan that says, "Here's who I can get, who's who I will at least try to get, and this is where we're going to go." Yeah, and I think also in terms of Mickey, it. I'm trying to figure out. You can't tell me that he's not being involved in who they're potentially interviewing. Like, hey, if we hire this guy, would you stay on for him? Like that. That's a question that has to be asked right now by Trev throughout the interview process of Mickey as well. Well, exactly. And and he is the head coach right now, so he's being ran. It's being ran as he's the leader of the program. So let's take a quick break. When we return, we are going to go through the docket of games for the day. Your Omaha area forecast presented by Bellevue Berry and Pumpkin Ranch from the KETV Newswatch 7 Weather Center on 1620 The Zone. If you're an experienced nurse looking for an adventure or even a new nurse who isn't sure where to start your career, give Summit Medical Staffing a call. Summit Medical Staffing is the fastest growing company in Nebraska, according to Inc. Magazine and one of 2022's best places to work. Their success is a direct result of the amazing people on their team. Summit Medical Staffing's travelers make them special and their focus and commitment to them makes them unique. Find out more at summitmedstaff.com or call 877-514-6721. In a house in Omaha, people gather in the kitchen. They don't talk about school and work. They talk about doctors and surgeries. They're the families of Ronald McDonald House Charities in Omaha, and the kitchen is where they come together to share the struggles their children are facing. For these families, it's the little things, like a home-cooked meal even while far from home, that make the biggest difference. Now back to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Doug Basse, State Farm Insurance, and Summit Medical Staffing. Let's talk about some of the big games that are on the schedule for the day. Uh, leading off at 11 a.m., number two, Ohio State versus number, th- it said 13 at the time. I think there's 16, but Penn State. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba out, as we were talking about, didn't even travel. Are they 13? Yeah, they're 13. Okay, cool. I, I wasn't sure. I, I put this on there on I think Wednesday or Thursday. So, um, yeah, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, I think Ohio State wins big. It's going to be a game where maybe halftime, if you're looking at social media and you're talking, people are going to be worried about it. But I think at the end of the day, Ohio State's going to have a comfortable win, and I'm going to say comfortable by at least 10 points. Yeah, I I tend to agree. But there is something about an 11 a.m. game in Happy Valley that has been troublesome for Ohio State at times in the past. Um, this game, I I agree with you guys 100%, but I wouldn't be surprised if this does end up going down to the wire. Um, this could be the one game that Ohio State slips up on this year. They're, they Just like Alabama, they have a tendency to slip up once a year. Uh, this could be that game as they look forward to Michigan. I, I think right now all their eyes are on Michigan moving forward. 
Another 11 a.m. kick. I think this is a big one for Syracuse, but I've got Notre Dame and number 16 Syracuse. I think Dino Babers, um, if he can beat Notre Dame, I don't think he's at Syracuse next year. I think he takes another job. I was, I'm shocked he's still there to begin with, but I think getting Notre Dame on that uh, on that mantelpiece helps out. How do they bounce back after Clemson? You know, blowing and, a big lead against yeah, Clemson, and they they had nothing they had nothing going in the second half. Yeah, and they're I don't know they're not built to be explosive at all. That's coaching. I mean they. They, I mean, honestly, between the uniforms, between the colors, everything, they remind me of Illinois. I think I said that on Sunday. It was like I confused the two of them. But you just—that's what you hope for today with with yeah. Illinois. But you know, can they can they get back to where they were even up to halftime of last week? And I think they've got a, a shot, especially at home. Uh, let's move to two thirty. Uh, I've got Florida versus number one Georgia. The world. You- do you Georgia know? Rolls. Do you know what the Florida Georgia line is for that game? I hate you so much. You're welcome. I've been working on that for four days. Thank you. I, I did can... a fireball shot with him once. With Florida Georgia line? Yeah, at, at a Bruce State concert. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that's when you were both up and coming, and somebody made it farther. Yep. Eh, Touche. Me, I won. <laughs> that's true. He, you, you, you made it. Look made where it. I am now, Mom. <laughs> I'm on the radio. Another 2.30 game, number nine, Okie State, led by the beautiful mullet, versus number 22, KSU Kansas State, led by Adrian Martinez, who I believe is on the sideline again today. Uh, he's game, game time decision. Yep, game yep. time, it's okay. A, uh, it's another Nebraska coaching bowl, version 17, I think, for the season. Yeah. And the way things are going, nobody wants the job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if Adrian Martinez plays and, and is – 80% K-State has a, a legitimate shot at this game. Uh they're at home, they're pretty good at home, but I'm uh I'm taking I'm taking Oki State as of now. Yeah, I go Oki State as well. Ask me at 235 though. Yeah, I'm just not sure if Martinez plays, but if Martinez does play, I'll go upset with KSU. Um another 230 game, number 17 Illinois at Nebraska. We already kind of picked that one a little bit earlier. Once again, I got Nebraska 28-24. I think it'll be a very ugly game. I think it's going to be hard fought. Um, what I, can Nebraska do to speed up Illinois? Cause I, I'm going back to score time, early. time of possession. I think if Nebraska can get up 10-14, it, cha- it completely changes the tenor of that game. But I think it has to be 10-14 point lead like with seven minutes left in the first quarter, not two minutes left in the first quarter. Because that means Illinois has dominated possession and our defense is going to get tired. Yeah, I think they got to have some explosive plays early and get them behind. And, and offense and defense. Yeah. So I think there's got to be splash plays on both sides. Uh, 6 p.m., number 19, Kentucky versus number 3, Tennessee. Can Stoops beat Heupel? Is it, am I, no. Am I going to be brandished from the state to say that's kind of fun to watch Tennessee play this year? I mean, it's just... There's been there's something about it. There's, I think Tennessee's I offense no, is what it should look like when a UCF coach jumps up. I yes. have no hatred for Tennessee. I none. He you sounds know. like that dude from the campaign, by the way, <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. He yeah. sounds like that character. We, uh, you know, last time we had anything that mattered to play for against them, we, you know, pounded Peyton Manning into the mud. I, I have not. I have no hatred for them. Now, the 6.30 game, this one will be interesting for the Big Ten. Michigan State versus number four, Michigan. Can Michigan State keep it close? No. No. Okay. Well, that was simple enough. Then let's get to my favorite, well, second favorite game of the the day. (laughs) Number 
15, Ole Miss, led by Lane Kiffin, versus Texas A&M. Does Juice run out of the tunnel with Ole Miss? Oh, he's got to. But Ole I heard Miss, Lane, I heard Lane wasn't going to let him. <laughs> you heard what? I, I said I heard Lane wasn't going to bring him to the game. Uh, so, well, so we'll see. That, then we might have some problems. I think we're going to have some big problems there. I did love the amount of shade that Lane threw at Texas A&M this last weekend about uh, DJ Durkin. Um, I don't know if he was throwing the shade at Ole Miss or at Texas A&M, but essentially Ole Miss getting constantly outbid for coaches um, and losing DJ Durkin to them. So I just like uh, him and the shade he throws. Uh, I want to back up really quickly to this Kentucky-Tennessee game. Um, I was listening to Happer's show this week, and Robbie was filling in, and they were doing their wheel, and the Kentucky's defensive coordinator came up. I did not realize how great their scoring defense has been this year. It's, They're only two; they've only allowed two more points than either Illinois or Iowa. Um, so I mean, if there's a defense in that league that can slow down Tennessee, it might be Kentucky. Perfect. Well, let's take a break, boys. We got a lot to talk about with our guest on the other side, with Brian Munson. You're listening to Church of the Corn on 1620 The Zone. Back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by Summit Medical Staffing and Doug Basse State Farm Insurance. We are now joined by Husker Online and On Three's very own Brian Munson. Brian, how you doing today, my man? Good morning, guys. How are you? We are doing fabulous. Living the dream, Brian. I couldn't find any C4 today, so I'm stuck with White Monster. I'm not happy. Hopefully you can help us out. Uh, Brian, huge recruiting day today. All of a sudden, the Riolas are coming in, the brothers. Um... Is Dylan back in play for Nebraska? No, I, I you know, I, I knew that this was going to happen. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I talked to Chad Simmons quite a bit yesterday. Chad Simmons is the national recruiting guy for, for on three. And I've known him for a number of years, been in the industry since, since 99, he's been in there doing this stuff about that long. And, and um, <clears throat> he's actually was in Chandler last night. There must have been a huge game last night for, for Dylan and for, and for Chandler because I, I believe that multiple networks had guys there covering it last night. And I just don't know enough to know enough about it. But um, Chad was certainly there last night. And he had a conversation, you know, ahead of time. And, and obviously, Sean Callahan and myself, we knew about this thing. And we were thinking that what was going to happen was it was just going to be just complete silence about the Rayola's visiting until somebody is standing outside the tunnel and they see the boys come walking up through the tunnel. And then all of a sudden it was going to be like, Hey, post it, you know, Dylan, Dylan and Dayton and Dominic are here. And, um, and it never, it never made it that far. Um, and, and it, it, people have to understand here that this is about seeing Donovan. Um, Donovan is, you know, coaching at Nebraska, they've got relatives flying in from, from Hawaii. This is essentially like a family reunion kind of thing. Dominic told Chad Simmons, this has nothing to do with Dylan. 
This has to do with Donovan. And now it has something to do with Dayton, now the 2026 quarterback that Nebraska's offered, just because, you know, now there's a Nebraska offer and he gets to basically go there and, and, and check things out. But no, Dylan, Dylan is not in play. I'm not going to sit there and rule out anything, you know, potentially somewhere else down the line. But this weekend is not about Dylan Rayola, you know, checking out Nebraska. Brian, that leads me to kind of it was thinking about it as you were talking. So you've got Dayton Rayola, a twenty six makes me feel bad. Two thousand twenty six recruit who's they've offered now. And the staff is right now just all essentially on an interim basis, right? We don't know who's gonna be here. And imagine in, you know, four years who's going to be here. Brings me back to somebody like a William Pop Watson the third. You know, Whipple, he's Whipple's guy. He brings him in kind of part of, you know, as he comes into the staff. We don't know if Whipple's going to be there, so we don't know the status of Pop Watson. How does that all kind of play out when you've got a staff who is being more than professional in finishing out the season, recruiting like yeah. it's, they're all going to be here, like it's going to be their team, and offering guys yeah. now three or four years down the line? What do, What do you make of all that? And I know it's standard protocol, but... Well, I don't know if it's standard protocol. I think we're rewriting the the. I think we're rewriting the rule book here a little bit. Okay. Um, I I I've never look. This is a pretty unprecedented time. Um, I've never seen an interim coach basically handle this like a job interview quite the way that Mickey Joseph and his staff are. Um, that's probably be the first thing that I had to say about that. And I've been through a couple of coaching changes here with Nebraska. Um, you know, they typically handle. They they typically get get take place a lot later and when they do take place they hold on to official visits like they're bars of gold you know that that's a that's a transferable asset that that basically transfers from the current staff to the next staff and that next staff is going to need those official visits to put their put their class together um all that being said this staff basically has been you know been told whether it's by Trev or by Mickey after after he got the interim tag from Trev, we can go out there and basically you know play the violin on the deck of the Titanic and and get ready for our next jobs. Get ready to go find another job. We can try to go ahead and keep our jobs right here if that's what you're happy doing. And I think that a lot of people, I think that there's you know there's probably some understanding that some of those guys are are. are not going to be retained almost by essentially by whatever it is that happens. And I think people have to kind of understand that. I'm sure it's understood by those staff members. I mean, look at, look at the people that have been ushered out of Lincoln, you know, already following Scott Frost being fired. I mean, that, that you can kind of, you can kind of put together these relationships. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit Boolean algebra, you know, like there's, there's, there's going to have to be in some ways kind of a clear cut disassociation with the previous staff in a lot of different ways. And and I and I don't know how that's going to really kind of play off on you know play play out up there on the stage, but I, I think that what you what you have there obviously is is any offer any offer that's out to anybody that can't necessarily like sign, it's it's evaluation it's a gentleman's agreement and um, I think I think what what that does what that does with Dayton anyway it's like it puts it in a situation at least to where he can truly consider Nebraska and vice versa, but they all know that it's it's a dance that's going to last the next two years or more. Brian, let's get to the uh, JUCO guys because it seems like this staff has done a great job at seeing what they've seen on, on, uh, on the field, 
and identifying those weaknesses through the JUCO market. It seems like that's something that's been disregarded under the last staff for sure. Um, but where are we sitting with some of those JUCO guys? Yeah, well, I mean, it sucks because Anterior Thompson is going to make a commitment today at noon, I believe it is. And it, obviously the timing for that that announcement is not not looking good for Nebraska. And, and that's a really a tough one to take because that was Nebraska's first junior college offer, um, you know, this summer when he showed up at camp and, and kind of tore it up and, and, and really kind of, you know, what was he a four seven forty guy? And then he kind of lights it up for Iowa Western. And then you have Quantrail Travis and he and he and Thompson are talking about going and playing uh, football together at the next level. Um, so you get kind of excited as a Nebraska fan because you're sitting there going, gosh, these are guys that, that just kind of alternate between the one and the three playing defensive line for Iowa Western, and, and they have got a dominant front, you know, so it'd be kind of exciting to see two guys like that join the class and kind of pick up some of those 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 needs that you were kind of talking about before. Because that's what it really comes back to. So then as you kind of fast forward after Ontario and Quantrail, you get into what's happened recently, whether it's with Keyshawn Blackstock or, you know, even like the latest guy, Denver Warren, you know, last night from Independence. You're talking about defensive line. You're talking about offensive line. You're talking about edge guys. You're talking about middle linebackers. And you're talking about safeties. You're talking about off offensive tackles and interior offensive line. Those are all like completely, totally predictable positions. I think that we all could have sat down and said, you know, hey, pick six spots or whatever, you know, play it right up the middle, play it straight up the middle. And that's exactly what's happening right now with, with where Nebraska is at with targeting the type of help. And, and I thought it was really telling, you know, obviously we can sit here and evaluate and we can see it our, for ourselves with our own eyes. But I thought it was really telling in Tunnel Talk yesterday with, with Steve Sipple and what he was saying about the meetings that, that Mickey Joseph was having with the staff when they were talking about, you know, how 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 a player, how a recruit, you know, could potentially have an impact like right then and there. Is he a guy that needs a year or two? Can he not come in and, and participate and rotate in or start? And and if and if he can't, they're moving on. They've got to go find some guys immediately that can flip what's kind of going on in Lincoln. I think that there's, it's kind of wild because we've been talking about flip the roster, flip the roster, flip the roster, going back to Mike Riley with Scott Frost. And now all of a sudden we're talking about doing it again. And it's, and it's happening in basically a shorter time frame for Nebraska to get competitive. On Thursday at the uh, Big Red Breakfast, uh, Steve Warren said that if anything, if nothing else happens for going into next year, they've got to – revamp and remold and just relearn offensive line and defensive line play. And you talked about it just now, having guys that can come in. If they're not going to be a sixth or seventh guy on the depth chart, um, next guy in, or even a starter, they've got to find a way yep. to move on, which brings me to Bo Hughley. So he's a uh, Georgia commit. Uh, you, you mentioned Chad Simmons, national recruiting expert earlier and now he's talking about him. He's already had a one official. He also had a, an unofficial uh, at the at the spring game. Now he's coming in with Barry Jackson. Is this a yep. legitimate opportunity to tell and talk to someone and say, "Here's the deal: you could come in and you could start for us next year and be that guy"? Is that the type of conversation that they're having with a player like Bo Hughley this weekend? Um, I let me. So. Hmm. 
it's been funny watching the conversations comparing Bo Healy to Dylan Rayola. And people are more excited for Dylan Rayola. I would tell you that there's a better chance Nebraska has of getting a Bo Healy than there is a Dylan Rayola. And I don't think either, I don't think the chances for either one of those guys are necessarily good. <laughs> but to your point, to your point, I think that there's absolutely a, a, a line that you can take there with a Bo Healy and, and talk to him about the opportunity that, that's there in front of him. Now, this opportunity, it's not just about playing time. It's not just about coming in and starting. It, there's, this is a comprehensive kind of deal here. There has to be an NIL has to be an NIL kind of situation that's there as well that's backing all this stuff up because there's clearly an NIL deal that's there for him right now, you know, with, with Georgia. And uh, it's significant. It's a significant uh, thing that's out there for him and in, in the, in the agreement that's happening with, uh, with Georgia at the moment. And, and I know that, that look, it's, it's tough because of the mileage and the location and where he's living at. And obviously Georgia's in a much better situation than Nebraska is currently. So there's a lot of things to climb. But I just I think that that demonstrates where I feel like Nebraska's current position is for where they're at with Dylan Riola. I don't think they have anything to sell him. I think that they have a lot to sell a Bo Hewley, however. And, and I think that some of that's still going to hinge on the last moving parts of who the real head coach is, whether it's Mickey or somebody else, and then how are things going to kind of work and the rest of the staff and what's that, what's that offense going to look like. And then obviously I think it comes back to, though, the original sales pitch of, you can come here and play, if not start, immediately as a true freshman. Go ahead and try to do that in Athens because that's not going to happen in Athens. Yeah, he's got an uphill climb down there. It, it'll be really interesting because the, Nebraska just keeps getting brought up in the conversation with, with Hewley. I just, yes, it doesn't I seem like that. it's done by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, no. It, there, there is something, and me and Sean Callahan talked about it yesterday even though he got kind of the, the answer from some of the Georgia folks that we work with and on three, that Georgia's not concerned with him flipping on, you know, on that commitment. There's some, there's something definitely fishy about the trips back to Nebraska. And um, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure if I know what it is, if the NIL is close, if he's thinking about the opportunity, Etc. I, I I don't know exactly what it is, but I I've I've always kind of kept this this one with an eyes wide open kind of situation, you know, with him because I just I felt like there was something always more in play with him that, than what was kind of going on on surface of he's not going anywhere. That's what it kind of seems like. But Brian, we'll let you get going. Thanks so much for joining us today, my man. We really appreciate it. Have a good one, guys. Talk to you next week. Take care, Brian. All right, we're gonna take our last break for the show, and uh, we'll be back here in just a few minutes. It's Church of the Corn with Zach, Alex, and Fitz on 1620 The Zone. Welcome back to the Church of the Corn, brought to you by FCC Trucking and Summit Medical Staffing. We got a quick little segment here before we let you all go for the day where we're going to try and make you guys a little bit of money uh who wants to lead this one off i'll go give us some upsets i got i got two upsets today uh the first one i have ucf putting in the dagger of the luke fickle to nebraska conversation 
UCF's going to take down Cincinnati today. Wow. And then I also like Missouri. I don't I don't necessarily consider this one a massive upset by any means, but I like Missouri to take down South Carolina today. I like what Beamer's got going down there at South Carolina, but Missouri's Missouri's just a tough a tough team to play. You never know what you're getting out of that drink wits led team. Yeah. I really want to say that I'd like to say Michigan State upstate or upsets Michigan because it's a rivalry game, but I'm not dumb. Um, so I won't go with that one, but I will go Nebraska over Illinois. And I, gosh, I could maybe see. I mean, you are on the hook saying if Adrian plays K-State over Okie State. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one if Adrian plays as well. I, was I also say don't think about will, will Howard's any slouch the backup. No, he, that's the thing is he's he's got a good enough backup that if Adrian's not 100% healthy, there's no need to rush him back. I mean, yeah. you're 22 in the country, so be interesting to see what they do. What you got, Fitz? I'm jumping on. I'm going to back that Nebraska horse over uh, Illinois as well, and then I'm going to take uh, Virginia uh, taking on Miami. Give Take Virginia. Give yourself a little bit of chance to fill the coffers and – then give some ties. To I thought he was going to go corn. with like a cricket league or something. I, I 100% did as well. I got a question for you. So Oklahoma. Professional. It's coming from the guy that brings up chess and checkers. Yeah, that's you, nerd. Anyway. Um, Nerds. Do you think that uh, the Oklahoma-Iowa State game, do you think beating Oklahoma does anything for Iowa State? And more importantly, Matt Campbell by getting that name on his record? Well, it gives him, it gives him another win. So correct. that's something that is correct. Um, I think it. So one of the one of the things that Matt Campbell struggled with is beating ranked teams, right? Those top ten things, you know, fifteen, twenty, whatever. Um, I think it could it could right the ship to where maybe they salvage and and go on a little bit more of a run, um, but sometimes that gets discounted a little bit because Oklahoma is not the Oklahoma of, of old right now. Fitz, didn't you pick Virginia over Miami? Yeah. Do you what do you, if if that upset like does 30 happen? 30 seconds ago. Well, and, and the, the reason I'm asking is cuz I didn't have the schedule pulled up in front of me. Um, do you think that does any What do you think that does for Cristobal down there losing to Virginia? Well, they've had they're out of sorts anyway. I mean, Miami has has not looked, I mean, other than early in the season, um, but they've they've kind of fallen into lines of some of the other programs though that you think they're coming back. They get some good recruits. They've got all this NIL money. They've got all these things going in the periphery, but nothing is happening on the field. Well, and I'm not, I'm not saying Nebraska's doing anything different. They're in the same boat right now. I just don't know if, you know, if he's the guy. But I'm now starting to question this whole idea of an Oregon coaching tree. Uh, guys that are coming out of there. Coaching in the Pac-12 and then coming in somewhere else. All right. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. we got a recording tomorrow. We'll try to live stream it. Thanks for everybody. Have a good weekend.